is Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about a future full of fantastic opportunities. My name is Veslomoy Klavnes Berge, and I'm trying to figure out how we can all live good lives, have exciting jobs, and at the same time take good care of the planet and everyone living here. I want to unlock the superpowers of everyday people so that together we can co-create a future we're all excited about. So come join me on this journey. The future is up to us and I know that we can make it a good one. So before I go on to introduce you to this week's guest, I will tell you about my latest endeavor in my own company. The newest pillar in my company I call Repurpose You. It is a program for professionals who feel stuck in their current job, but can't really figure out where to go, what to do, or who to ask for help. They are looking for a way to have more impact, feel more happy about going to work on Monday morning, and a way that they can use the skills and experiences they have gained through their careers up until now. So I'm basically speaking about the 2016 version of myself here. So if you feel called to explore this and if it's something for you, just send me a message. You can find my contact details at bycause.co, that is B-Y-C-A-U-S-E dot co, on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. I have a quite rare name, so you should find me easily. But now let's get going with this week's episode all about the complex, difficult, but also interesting topic of communication. My guest today is an expert in climate communication. Her name is Catherine Duarte, and the reason that I noticed her the very first time was because she was such a fresh breath in my Instagram feed. And <laughs> I, I noticed that she shared very important, serious uh, stuff about climate and sustainability, but she did it in a very funny way. And you still do that, Catherine. So thank you so much for that. I think we need more humor in this uh, space <laughs> and welcome to stories for the future thank you so much that was a very kind and a very nice uh, intro <laughs> i like <So>, it <laughs> yeah that's good so uh we i think we have many things in common actually but one thing that stands out when i look at your career journey or your education journey is that we both spent quite a uh, some years uh, at the University of Bergen in Norway. Uh, so I couldn't leave uh, fast enough after I handed in my master's uh, thesis, but you stayed a little bit longer, mm. uh, we can say. That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but but by Bergen, that, this is where you're based, right? In I'm, I'm currently based in Bergen, but I moved a bit around. Uh, I travel a lot uh, while I worked at the university <laughs> as yeah. a researcher, but we can come back to that later. Uh, but now I'm uh, trying to stay uh, put here <laughs> in Bergen yeah. most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, you say about yourself that you're a media researcher turned freelancer, content producer, consultant, and lecturer. So to fill out this sentence a little bit more, what is it that you do? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I run this small uh, communication uh, agency. I often call it a one-woman show <laughs> because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I work as a communication advisor on sustainable communication. Uh, and climate communication. Uh, so I spent a little bit because I started with climate communication, but now I work on sustainability and towards uh, businesses, mostly. mostly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so since my my biggest focus area in, in what I do is, is to talk about this transition and why and how people make uh, these shifts in their careers. Uh, and mm -hmm. your background is within um, from the university, as I mentioned, you you did your PhD there for mm. quite a long time. So, can you share with us your what motivated you to do this transition from academia to 
becoming a freelancer focusing mm. on sustainability and climate. Mm. Uh, so, and what is it that drives you in this yeah. field? Oh, that is a huge question. But um, mm. like you said, I stayed uh, almost 10 years in academia. First, uh, I did my master's there. Uh, I submitted the thesis in uh, 2010. And I worked a year or so as a research assistant. Uh, it was very nice and I liked it a lot. So uh, when this opportunity to apply for a PhD came up and I thought that my name was written all over it because it was about climate and climate communication and climate journalism. And I, my passion was really on this um, uh, the, the part of communicating uh, one of our time's biggest um how to say problem <laughs> there mm -hmm. is uh, climate change and I worked uh, during my master thesis at a climate research center so I spoke a lot with climate scientists and every time I kept hearing that okay we've been saying this for 10 20 30 years we've been saying that climate change is here that we have all these consequences but people don't listen so all the time I I kept hearing that the problem was communication. The problem was how we convey this message, how we communicate, how we disseminate our research. So how can we be better? The mm. climate researchers always ask me and the professors and, uh, and um, people studying the physical climate change. So uh, since I didn't turn a climate scientist, <laughs> I thought, okay, so my passion is communication. It's mm. always been communication. I've always been very fond of writing. I've always written journals, um, like, uh, how do you say, journaling <laughs> mm. uh, or diaries, uh, some people might call it. Uh, so, so my true passion was to communicate. And so I started on this PhD in 2011, and I worked a lot I published uh, published several chapters with colleagues I published several um, submitted several um, uh, research papers so it was really I, I was like on that kind of road <laughs> towards mm. academic career which I loved uh, a lot because I mainly love to talk with other students with other colleagues to uh, debate how can how, how can we make this better how can we communicate how can we so so basically it was the the communication part of it that I really loved so I found out after many years <laughs> that maybe my uh, sort of uh, calling was not academia as such but it was more the a passion about communication about to communicate this message so in 2018, while I was on maternity leave, <laughs> mm. I took this uh, practical uh, uh, pedagogical uh, course yeah. Uh, yeah, to become a teacher, actually, because I love to uh, teach. I, I really found my, my, uh, my voice there. I, I really love to talk with students, with uh, younger people. It really made me uh, passionate about it. Uh, but it was really tough. So I all teachers, all people uh, working in uh, teaching our children. I mean, I'm, I'm so in awe with them because yeah. it's really tough, really, really tough. And I thought I was cut out for it, but I've been teaching uh, like young adults and not yeah. kids. Yeah. So it was really hard, but I really liked it a lot. But I found out, okay, maybe this is not my aim. So I uh, jumped a little bit towards the media business. Uh, so mm -hmm. I worked a year or year and a half at the Norwegian Broadcasting um, uh, Corporation, NRK. Mm -hmm. First, I worked on a, a documentary uh, towards uh, young people between 15 and 26. And that I really loved. It was so nice to work together with the script writers. With the, uh, I worked on research. So my part of it, because the documentary was about... Uh, food, animal welfare, and climate change. So I really love to like dig deep into how can we communicate this to a younger audience. It has to be fun. It has to be fast and exciting, but it also has to be fact-based. And every, I mean, every single time, I was the sort of the person always waving at the finger. No, 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 we can't say that because that must, it's not correct. It's not mm. uh, according to research. It's not according to papers. And <laughs> it's not according to facts. So uh, I was the sort of, uh, how do you say party pooper there yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so so no I but I really liked uh, to work on that sort of big screen like the tv format was really fun uh, this was a digital uh, documentary so it was basically for internet but uh, mm. they also uh, aired it on uh, how to say uh, mainstream 
TV mm. <laughs> as well. So uh, now I really like that. And afterwards, I started to work at the uh, climate desk here in Bergen, which started at NRK. Uh, other uh, um, newspaper has followed through afterwards, and mm. they have started uh, to work on climate change, really focused on climate change or climate journalism. But NRK, NRK was the first, uh, the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation was first. And that was, I, I really thought that this is it. Now I really found my calling because I could both, um, how to say, uh, mix my passion for communication at the same time as I could really reach out to a big audience. A yeah. very big audience <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was like it gave me so much energy it gave me so much um yeah motivation to 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 continue on this path and i really love to work at NRK. It was all, all the options we had we made this a uh, huge uh, digital story about uh, the oceans how people are hurting the oceans mm. we call it blue light for oceans meaning uh, like ambulance blue lights for the oceans uh and it really um i actually have goosebumps now because Mm. it was such um i felt that i i grew on that journey uh doing the research for this huge uh digital story i think it lasted for it well mike some of the colleagues almost worked one year on this story i worked about six months with it and it was so much facts it was so much research behind it It, we i talked we talked with, I think, hundreds of researchers, professors, mm. people doing everything from uh, microplastic in the ocean to uh, towards uh, uh, how can uh, how will the microplastic and, and uh, trash in the ocean affect the food chain of the fish, of the of of the uh, uh, Nordic uh, seabed of uh, our food at the very end, mm. <laughs> how will we be affected by it? and the crops and I mean it was huge really huge and also because Norway has this super long coastline yeah so we will be affected of all this and and I I felt that the puzzles like sort of started to land my puzzles but also the puzzles on this huge story because uh, we have uh, people diving in all kinds of places, uh, both in uh, the seabed uh, right outside uh, Norway, but also far away in uh, Svalbard in the Nordic Sea. Uh, and it really showed that climate change is so huge. It's not like, uh, okay, it's not like we've seen in the co- last couple of years with uh, extreme weather, storms, uh, heat waves, and so, uh, so on, etc., which are very huge and visible climate change effects but also it's like the really tiny small effects like uh, if the fish don't uh, if the sea gets uh, heated up uh, fish from from the southern part of Europe might have to come northern to the Mm. northern part of Europe and what will happen then and Mm. and the ecosystem will get shut down and everything I mean it was like a huge huge uh, undertaking (laughs) Mm. but it was also a very uh, to, to tell this story in a way that we both could convey this message that the researchers have been saying for 30 years, at the same time that we wanted to reach out to people that also don't believe in climate change, yeah, which was our aim for with this story. And I think we did a pretty good job because as far as I know, this is the most read story, digital story in our case history in climate change. Oh, one of them, because the, yeah. we have like two or three uh, climate change in Norway was also a very, very big hit. But this mm. one uh, was because it's partly not only about climate change, it's also about the huge effect that will be mm. out there. So it was it's a very long <laughs> answer to your question. But I think it really for me to be first in academia and to see like the research behind it. How can we convey this message in a theoretical, in a... In a um, uh, in a way that is trustworthy, reliable, because I'm very preoccupied with trustworthy and reliable communication, but also mm. to uh, it has to be fact-based. And we have to reach out to the people that, not nece- that they don't necessarily believe in this and don't necessarily uh, read all these research papers. So, so yeah, so I was in NRK until the pandemic. <laughs> and because I was a freelancer, they didn't extend my contract. Mm. So I worked there until summer of 2020. And 
and basically, uh, to be honest, it was like um, uh, I was heartbroken, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. I, I was really, it, it felt like I had uh, broken up with a, oh, yeah. a boyfriend. Mm. It was it, because it was pretty much my dream job at that time. Mm. And uh, and I was, I was pretty uh, depressed, I think, during summer. And I thought, OK, my life is over. I will never have a job like that ever again. And this was my last shot and so on and so forth. <laughs> so it was really bad. And also it was in the midst, midst of a pandemic. Uh, yeah, so it was really, uh, it was a bad time <laughs> and very bad timing. And I know a lot of people lost, lost their jobs and I think it was uh, bad all over the place. Uh, and I mean, I, li- I live in Norway, so my life was, of course, not always. It was very strong exaggeration, <laughs> but mm. I felt like my career was like, okay, what now? I mean, I tried academia. It was not for me. I tried to become a teacher. That was not for me. I, I, I worked in, uh, in uh in the media business and yeah this is yeah. what happened so so, so, so yeah. now i'm really interested in how you actually dealt with that yeah. because this yeah. is i've been there myself you know so mm-hmm. so uh, when you have this uh this uh, kind of it's it's kind of a grief process in the same way as if you as totally. you mentioned yeah totally. you break yes. up with somebody or somebody yes. dies or something yes. it's a big change so yes. you have to go through the different phases with a shock and the yeah. depression. And so how did that work for you? <laughs> seven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think for me it was, uh, okay, I was not 25 years. I was 37 yeah. uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, you're done. You're done with the, the depression. You're done with the grieving. Now you have to do, just deal with it and mm. make the best out of it. So, and I basically feel that maybe I'm a little bit, and I think, I think it's. I've talked with a lot of people about this. I think to have this kind of idealistic um, brain, <laughs> mm. uh, I thought, okay, I still have my passion. I still have this uh, message I want to convey. Uh, so that's, I think it's about that time that I started to, uh, make these, uh, reels or videos on uh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Because I needed to have sort of an outlet where I could, because now I was completely free. That was the thing I was, when I was an academic, I had to deal with the rules of academia. Right. Hmm. And, oh my God, what would the other professor think? What would my colleagues think? And so on. And when I was at NRK, of course, I mean, it's NRK. I mean, I couldn't. I actually signed a, <laughs> a sort of a, a contract that I, mm. I couldn't have other uh, other uh, employers and so on and so forth. And so, oh my God, for the first time in my grown-up life, I can basically do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I started to make these reels. Um, and I wanted to uh, convey a different message because, okay, this is a serious, this is serious. Climate is serious. Climate change is serious. But we don't have to... Mm, communicate in a boring way. Mm. <laughs> so I thought, okay, so I can either uh, make a fool of myself and try, or I can just not do it. So I, I chose the first one. <laughs> so mm. I tried to make these videos relatable, but also funny, but at the same time, always fact-based. So yeah. that was sort of my aim towards it. So, and I have dancing videos and I have jumping videos yeah. and I have videos where I change clothes and videos where I, Okay, so you've seen them. So you yes, know and I, I think this yeah. is the part that I love that you you yeah. seem to not take yourself so ser- seriously, and that is oh, yeah. that is so needed. I think because <laughs> we we're, we're so serious all the time. Yes, and that's our, yeah, and and that's uh, another thing I I wanted to uh, sort of show that it was possible because every time I spoke with uh, my colleagues in the, uh, in, in, as climate researchers, they said, no, but people don't listen and we have to find new ways to communicate. But they didn't. They mm-hmm. still do the same, you know. Mm-hmm. They still talk, they, they still preach to the choir. I mean, it's still an echo chamber where they talk with yeah. other NGOs, with other, with the same politicians, with the same colleagues. And I'm like, come on, you have to step yeah. out of that shell. Mm. So that's what I wanted to do because I actually could. I was my own boss for the first time in my life and I could do whatever I wanted. Mm. So that was basically my my transition uh, because I had to do something. I, had to, I, I just couldn't sit there and feel sorry for myself. And I was like, come on, you live in Norway. 
you have like you you're so you're so lucky. I mean, you have mm. like grab the best car in the in the card game. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make the best of it. So I thought, okay, what's the worst that can happen? People might unfollow me because I'm I make a fool of myself, or they can say, hey, maybe she's a, like a fresh, <laughs> like you said, like a yes. fresh uh, fresh breath. Uh, fresh yeah. breath in in this uh, climate um, communication field. So that was my start of it. And uh, yeah, uh, the transition was hard to say the least. I actually went back to NRK to work a couple of oh, months. Yeah. Yes, because they still need people, but they couldn't give me a long-term contract. Uh, and when I signed out the last time, I think it was February, March of 21, I thought, okay, this is fine. I, I can... I had this opportunity, but now I'm moving on. So, mm. so that's when I thought that I should really uh, aim my, how to say, uh, all my energy in my business and to try to make that work for me. So yeah. that's when I started to sort of, uh, yeah, make make my uh, my own uh, business and make that work. Mm-hmm. Great! I, I'm so happy you did. Um, <laughs> so, so, but I, I, th- we have to talk a little bit more more about communication because I mm-hmm. think this is uh, it's both so tricky and complex. I think, and you have touched upon it, but it's also very exciting and in- interesting mm-hmm. to see how how can we actually com- communicate uh, this. Mm-hmm. So, so what what do you think? What have you landed on is the most effective strategy for mm-hmm. communicating such a urgent and uh, and also very you know mm-hmm. my my big i i have always have this picture of the different bubbles that we're in the echo chambers as you say mm-hmm. and it's very it's very easy that we sit in our tight bubbles and only we hear the people inside our bubbles and then we end up shouting to the other bubbles and we kind of talk past mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. so yeah Oh, it's also a huge question, I think. And it really depends. I think I've, I've seen a change from uh, when I started working uh, in academia with uh, these uh, questions uh, up, up till now. Uh, because maybe 10, 15 years ago, we have to convince people that this was huge. This was, mm. And I think we're past that now. We're more like, how could we have people to believe that whatever they do, it's enough? Because I believe, and I think maybe you uh, see yourself th- uh, in this as well, it's um, especially people like you and me and others we know that uh, are really idealistic and want to do something better for the world. It's like, but we can never be perfect enough. Mm. And I think it's really important to convey to people that uh, in order to become green and sustainable, you don't have to be perfect. I mean, it, this is a journey. Our friend, our mm. common colleague, Maria, says that this is a sustainable journey. Like, it, you start somewhere and then you have some sort of goal. But that goal is not for everyone. Mm. And, I start, and, and I talk and I work a lot with small businesses, with NGOs, and they're like, but we don't have the kind of budget that X and Y has. And I said, okay, that's fair enough. But where you are now... And where you want to be is like this journey. Tell me about this journey. And that's why I said, and I'm, I'm maybe I will say it several times, for me, the best sort of communication strategy for me is honest, reliable, and trustworthy. Because when you're honest and you say, hey, so we tried this and that, and it didn't work for us. And I think when people are communicating this journey, the ups and downs, the flaws, mm-hmm. the mistakes, the, the things that didn't uh, happen, I think that uh, we uh, we should talk more about failures. I mean, I failed a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, right? But we learn from it. Yeah. So, And I think as a customer and consumer, I think it's it's important to hear, so what's in it for me? Why are you telling me that this product is more sustainable or more green or more whatever? I want to hear how this product and service is better than the former. I want to hear how this product or service is going to make the world a better place. Uh, I think that people are lacking this uh, sort of um, this storytelling. This mm. f- because there's something missing, like uh, most products, but because that's the easiest way to, to uh, the easiest example. 
um, when you talk about a product, oh, so now we make this product and it's 30% greener or more sustainable or less CO2, CO2 emissions. And I'm like, okay, wow, compared to what? Yeah. What in this sort of huge, how to say, field is this greener? And what is 30%? I have no idea. Uh, and and sp- mm. particularly about this, um, another, another example that I often uh, um, take is the, um, or showcase is the um, low cost or, or uh, flight companies, right? Uh, they say, uh, we are 17 or 19% greener than our competitors. Mm. And I'm like, but what on earth does that, does that mean? I have no idea. No. Because it doesn't tell me that, okay, compared to uh, one year of travel or uh, the whole fleet or, the <laughs> I mean, it doesn't say anything. So that's why I think people are becoming more and more uh, increasingly uh, more skeptical. And I think that's what my background has taught me, that uh, fact-based and trustworthy communication is the way to go because mm-hmm. sooner or later we will have uh, the EU will come with all this taxonomy and the Green New Deal and, and uh, we have the um, uh, Open Head Strowman what is it in English? Yeah, Transparency yeah. Act Transparency Act, thank you um, so we don't have to sit and wait for others to tell us hey, you have to be open about it you have to be honest with your communication why don't start now? We should have started 10 years ago, but okay. And now is the best time than ever. (laughs) Mm. So I think for me, the openness and the the honest uh, type of communication, I think is the way to go. And it's, it's, I think we can uh, learn a lot. Uh, I had this project this uh, spring, very nice project, uh, working uh, with uh, a children's cartoon on climate change, uh, Climate Ninja. (laughs) We're together with um, Bjarne Center for Climate Research. They made uh, a couple of researchers have been to Greenland and Antarctica and um, coast of uh, Norway, and they took they brought uh, Ninja, um, how to say figures figurines to these different places, and they let the figurines explain uh, field work and research and how they take ice sheet tests and so on and so forth. And I'm like ice core tests, and I'm like, wow, this is so easy. Everyone can understand it, even kids down to seven years. Mm. And I'm like, why don't we do that? Why don't mm. we uh, try to make... And it's not about making... Think that people oh, people are stupid. We have to make it easier. No, it's not about that. It's that we can relate to it. Like, if you, if you show that, um, for instance, I was curious about that too, because I had no idea. How do uh, people, when they are uh, doing research in Antarctica with minus 30, 40, 50 degrees. How do you go to the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> interesting, yes. 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 You see? Tell I mean, me. I mean, yes. <laughs> How do they shower? If they're there four months, do they ever yeah. shower? I mean, they don't have one. Yeah. I mean, so many questions. The same question the kids have, we yeah. adults and grown-ups have, you know? True. And I'm like, Okay, so explain it to me. Explain it in an easy way. How do you bring this, uh, these, uh, the instruments? Uh, how, how do you uh, get down to the 300 <clears throat> meters? All these kind of things that mm. we maybe want to ask, but we are too afraid to ask. Or And, and, and the kids that were like, they had so many questions. They were like, wow, this is really good. And and then I started to think, we should, we should start thinking like kids do. Mm. don't overcomplicate it i think i think that's maybe one of the main things i i gather from that project is that we overcomplicate things Mm. we think that everything has to be so uh, i don't know big and and flashy and (laughs) and i think it's uh it's not necessarily correct Mm. and and that's why uh, Going back to your your original question, that's why I started on this Instagram account, uh, mm. which I changed over the years. But I think I found my sort of my voice there now. Uh, it's okay to to convey a, an important and serious message, but make it a little bit, you know, easy, fun, relatable. Yeah, yeah it's, yes. it's not that complicated. <laughs> and de- definitely relatable. Uh, you managed to do that. I love the videos where you kind of you, you're this w- one woman show that you set <laughs> like every all the tasks that you have to yeah, do, yeah. and then you just pass out on the sofa or something. It's, uh... 
Yeah, because that's uh, true funny. for many people yeah. uh, that work on on their own. I mean, yes, yeah, founders and 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 writers and yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's make it relatable. And what what's in yeah. it for me? Like my main goal with this account was to uh, teach people that okay, um, it is so. so sort of depressing mm. with climate change and uh, the climate effects and and storms and extreme weather and so on and so forth that it might feel like okay there's no point whatever i do i mean whatever i do uh, if i do something it won't even matter but i think it's so important that we convey the message that Whatever you do, the smallest thing might be enough. Like uh, if you cut out um, meat one day a week, for instance, or if you maybe one day you have uh, this meeting uh, in Oslo, like I do a lot, mm. and I take the train one once or twice. I mean, it's mm. better than a flight every time back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Those kind of things. I think, uh, and now I had my uh, m- many of my my friends, my female friends, <laughs> are starting to buy vintage and secondhand because I, I show them that look at this beautiful dress or mm-hmm. whatever I found on Fretex or other uh, secondhand stores, and they're like, oh my god, okay, I have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends, I have to make, tell them, okay, maybe you should stop buying so much because you still have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better than they go to the how do you say, yeah. uh, fast fashion uh, uh, stores. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I mm-hmm. I would like to. This is a this is a tricky part of it because you you said it's mm. it's important to make it um, simpler and not too complex. But I think this part is a bit tricky, and that is uh, very important in Norway. You know, as an oil nation. Uh, and you know my background is from from oil and gas, uh, and I want to just share with you a, um, an experience I had last week because I I I was in this industry for ten years. I used to go to these conferences every year, big global, uh, all around, uh, and I I actually love them. Uh, because it was new topics, learn oh, like, like looking into the uh, agenda, what talks am I going to listen to and meet people and, you know, your work family from all around right. the world. Yeah, so, yeah. But I haven't paid attention to these conferences for a long time. So I haven't Mm-mm. kind of watched or looked at the web pages. But last week, I think I it ended up in my feed for some reason, and I took a look, uh, had a look at uh, it was SP, it's a Society for Petroleum Engineers. They having they're having an upcoming conference, um, and I looked at the agenda, and I was kind of just uh, like, okay, what are they talking about now, and what kind <laughs> of drilling? Or, but I was surprised about like how many talks or lectures were about sustainability, transition, mm. climate. And I I was just left with this uh, thought again that I have all the time that we're kind of speaking um, past each past other. Each other. Mm. Yeah. And we're sitting here in our, and I'm now a part of this, of this environmental movement more than I am of the, oil and gas uh, industry and we're kind of not listening to each other and I'm sure like there was a conference in Oslo now this uh, weekend I don't know if you attended the donut economics I was no I wanted to but yeah yeah, I didn't Mm. me too but I'm sure that the people from oil and gas weren't there and they Mm. didn't pay attention Mm. to that conference because it's outside of their bubble and their focus area Mm. And I kind of, how do we bridge this gap? Because I think we more or less want the same thing, but it's we're kind of missing each other. Yeah, hard bridging the question. Gap. Very hard question. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I have, I too have friends and colleagues uh, working in uh, in the oil business, mm. and I'm like, oh my god, you're selling your soul to the devil. <laughs> I used to say it's half true, half uh, non true. But mm. at the same time, I think it's important that we understand that we need the 
all this competence they have, all the knowledge they have, we, we, mm. we ha- we're in need of that kind of knowledge in the future as well. Uh, at the same time, I think they also see that this is a huge issue. Mm. And they have they have to change sooner or later, <laughs> maybe in a slower uh, pace than the rest of us. But uh, I think that bridging the gap is inviting each other to these kind of events unlike yeah. <laughs> change a little bit go on exchange <laughs> yeah yeah but i don't know if it's possible because um we talked about the same things but in different kind of jargon or different yes. languages mm. uh the oil business might talk about transition and and uh, sustainability but at the same time they know that they have to keep up uh, pumping oil and yeah uh, because and and the argument that i keep hearing is that oh, but we need energy in the future as well mm. but we need maybe a different kind of energy we need to mm. think differently we have to think about this transition like you said i think transition is very important it's a key concept here mm. <clears throat> and um but yeah i'm i think if we will be more open to each other's arguments i think we could how to say close the gap a little mm. bit but i think it will be i think it will take a couple of years i hope i'm wrong but i think it will take a couple of years uh because it feels like we're walking on different paths like yeah. we i you and me and all the other people we know in this field of sustainability we have i mean we are in a hurry yeah, a, a lot of us are in a hurry. Mm. While uh, oil and gas businesses are maybe okay, they know they need to change, but I don't feel that they have the same rush that we have. Mm. Unfortunately, I think mm. that maybe uh, we need to speed up a little bit. Uh, maybe it will happen, and I know a lot of things are happening, and that's. I have a couple of friends that are very techno-optimists and they're like, oh my, come on, we have all of these changes and we have the, you know, wind farms and solar farms. And I'm like, yes, wow, perfect. But it's so slow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but technology takes time, right? Mm, and I think, uh, I think we just need to embrace that we are working different paths, but we have to maybe find somewhere where we can uh, connect the path <laughs> mm. and uh, for instance going back to my field with the uh, uh, chat gpt and i uh, i mean what will what what is the future in my field in communication i mean mm. am i obsolete in five to ten years no i think the answer is no because we still need human connection interaction uh feelings and motivation and I think that's at least my, I think, I hope I'm not wrong, <laughs> mm. that we still will need that in the future. So, I mean, I think technology is great and all, but we need the, the personal touch, the, the, the human interaction as well. So, yeah. so I really feel that we need to, yeah, integrate each other in these kind of uh, debates in the future I- as well. I think you had a very good uh, idea there with uh, the exchange, like mm. <laughs> when you go <laughs> like uh, to, to mm. a different country as, mm. a, as a teenager mm. uh, going on exchange. Maybe yeah. we should start going to the oil and gas conferences and invite them back to that. Yeah, or maybe like invite ourselves like, oh, I see you have a sustainable, um, how to say, yeah. Uh, how to say, uh, sessions okay. on, yeah. in, in your, in your, uh, in your conference. Uh, uh, what about can we have a conversation mm. what is what is your topic and what's your main argument there and so on but yeah i i hope i'm invited to some sort of uh, conference that I, maybe i wouldn't go to because it's like oh my god mm, absolutely. <laughs> but without it being uh, we haven't talked about greenwashing but that's it's a major uh, yeah. for me it's, it's it's a huge uh it's, it's important because the way I communicate, it always has to be trustworthy. And I think trustworthiness is the highest currency right now. Mm. If you want people to trust you and think, what is it? What's in it for me? You have to be reliable and trustworthy. Mm. And, and if the oil and gas uh, field are having sustainability in their, uh, how to say conferences and seminars and whatnot, 
I think they has they have to convey this message in a very trustworthy way, or else, I mean, how could how could I be invited? You know, yeah. <laughs> to this but, episode. But, but then I have to ask you what what because I I have a feeling that sometimes um, it's very easy to jump on the greenwashing um mm. train <laughs> because <laughs> like yeah. so i ask myself sometimes okay so what do they have to say in order for us not to take it as greenwashing because they are actually still doing what they're doing so it's it's kind of yeah. how do they actually start it's yeah. like when you when you're starting a a diet you're you're starting small and you're kind of yeah. becoming better mm-hmm. with time so i think mm-hmm. i see their dilemma as well that yeah. everything can I, be I, yeah i totally agree and if we can um to make it more relatable again um this mother nature ad from uh, apple yes it has been discussed everywhere i just i th- i think it came to my mind because it's relatable in this uh, in this discussion I really liked it, but I've been a Apple uh, consumer <laughs> for 20, 25 years. So mm. I, I, I really ate their app. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, Apple. I ate Apple, yes. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I believe, okay, yes, they are better and, the, and their competitor. But if they want to be best, and they also, I mean, Mother, Mother Nature asked them, okay, what are you doing about this and uh, water consumption and transportation and so on and so forth. But if they want to be best, I would really like them to see to, to, to have said, yes, we do make new products every year. And yes, we have this uh, Apple Watch that is uh, net zero and so on. But you don't need to change your products every year. I mean... I would have loved it. I would have yeah. praised that message. But when I talk with my uh, my friends in technology uh, businesses, they're like, but they will never say that because mm-hmm. they live off selling products. So how can we make this? Uh, many of my friends believe that this ad is greenwashing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I mean, parts of it because at the same, at the end of the day, they still want to sell more products. That's what they live on. That's their uh, business strategy, mm. of course. Or else they wouldn't make uh, new products. And of course, they're slightly better every year and so on. But what they do is they make products that people have this huge FOMO, fear of missing out, if they yeah. don't get the newest product. Yeah. But what they do, they still, uh, pro- how to say, they still help consumerism. They still apply uh, to get more get better products mm. uh, buy the latest one and uh, yeah so I, I i would have wished them f- to say yes we are doing this and this we are better with this and this and that and we are cutting here and uh, transportation and less water and so on and we will become um, carbon neutral by 2030 i think they said uh, but we still have to work on repair and mm. we still have to be open source and so on but you don't have to change the, your uh, your products every day. Yeah, and I think that's the, like the key message that I missed, and many many people that wish they it wasn't greenwashing would have thought it was a better aim, but they will never do that. Mm. So, yeah, uh, and that it, it applies for the oil businesses as well, right? To, to say need... what they could do better, but still, exactly. we are trying, but we know that we... We know, that exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. That yeah. would be more, uh, how to say, I would trust that message better mm. than we are greener than, our yeah. oil is greener than. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Follow my drift. It's, yes. it's like, uh, just tell it how it is, you know? Yeah. I mm. mean, yes, Apple products are way better than that. Uh, competitors, mm. uh, I had a MacBook Air for nine years almost. Mm. I changed the battery and so on. So very good. But I also wanted the newest, latest one. I had a iPhone, I don't remember that, one of the smallest one for six, five years or so. But at the end, I couldn't repair it. I couldn't change mm. the battery. I mean, I changed everything on it. <laughs> but so 
sooner or later you have to change it. So I know that these kinds of products don't last forever, right? I mean, they mm. have limited limited mm. uh, time span. Uh, but we also have to admit that oil and gas is not, <laughs> I mean, it's not a renewable resource. No. And and maybe we've become so accustomed that we do have like lots of it. <laughs> so maybe in our lifetime, we will never, it will never dry up, but it will sooner or later. And mm. what then, you know? Yeah. So, so if we could connect those kind of dots and also i mean we are sitting in norway right <laughs> i mean part of maybe all our uh wealth is due to oil right so so we have to admit that we wouldn't be here the way we are if not. because yeah. if not yeah so so i think it, to acknowledge that yes we have a the best welfare in the world and so on uh it's due to oil but we could maybe switch to other things because we do have the technology. We do have the knowledge. We do have mm. people that need also jobs outside of mm. oil. So exactly. Mm. Oh, we could have talked for hours. Uh, I know. I, I see. <laughs> but yes. we we have to approach the end here. So, but mm-hmm. I I would like uh, for you to share what is in your what's coming from uh, Catherine Duarte Ooh. in the coming months or yes. the year. Do you have any big plans? I have a very big plan now, and it's a bit scary to talk about, but I have, I, I, I definitely shared it all over social media, so it's not a secret. <laughs> I'm uh, currently writing a book on sustainable communication hey. uh, towards uh, aimed at businesses, small and uh, medium-sized businesses that want to convey their message uh, without greenwashing. That's like sort of the, mm. the selling point here. So I want, I think that, Companies that have a clear and sustainable mission should talk more about the do's and don'ts. And like we said earlier, uh, the journey, like mm. what have what has been uh, ups and downs, what are the failures, where are the wins? <laughs> and I think that, um, yes, it, with the openness, I think we can, uh, we can gain so much more um, uh, trust. Like I said, hundreds of times already, I think, that's one of the things I miss when companies communicate is that they don't tell the whole picture. <laughs> they don't mm, tell the whole mm. story. And that's why I think it's lacking. So, uh, so yeah, so the book is hopefully being uh, launched, uh, published in uh, beginning of spring next year. So mm. fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I'm... Um, uh, not very sustainable, <clears throat> but I'm uh, going for um, three weeks writing uh, vacation, <laughs> ah. workation. Yes, to to finish the the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds yes. lovely. Yeah, yeah. So that's the big big plan. And uh, other than that, just continue to work with people that wants to make a world a better place. And uh, that's my motivation behind it. Yeah. Sounds mm-hmm. great. Where can people uh, reach you? What's the pe- best place to get in contact? So I use LinkedIn a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an open profile there. So find me. I think uh, there are not a lot of Catherine Duartes there. <laughs> <laughs> no. And uh, especially not in Norway. And uh, also Instagram. Uh, my name yeah. there, my handle is Green Catita, meaning uh, little green Cathy in Spanish. Catita is uh, small for. Ah. <laughs> I have always wondered yes. what was the story behind that name. Uh, so I, is, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, wow. that's my nickname in Spanish. My, my parents ah, okay. always call me that. Yeah. So I'm the little green catty. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> yes. So I'm thinking of maybe changing it, but I'm like, so yeah, it's, um, no, that I'm is you. That. So you, don't, yeah, it's you, really have, me. you can't change it. No. <laughs> so I, I had people approaching me. It was so, it's a funny story. I went to Oslo to the Oslo Botstuforening, um, which is the mm-hmm. sauna, floating sauna, sauna yeah. outside uh, Oslo. And I was there swimming. This was in the middle of summer in August. <laughs> and a girl approached me like, oh, my God, are you Green Katita? And I'm like, yes, that's me. <laughs> she was like, oh, she makes it a cool name. You're an Instagram celebrity, you know. Yes. Yeah. That's great. <clears throat> 
Okay, but yes. I recommend everybody to to check out your Instagram profile. Yeah, because it's mainly Norwegian, but I I'm thinking of making a little bit um, subtitles in in English and yeah, okay. yeah, in the future. Yeah. I have some plans there as well. Mm. Good. Okay, thank you so much for a thank very, you, very interesting conversation. And uh, it was so much fun. Good luck with your book and everything thank that you. you're doing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. <laughs> so that's it for today. I hope you found that inspiring and learned a thing or two about good ways to communicate about complex topics like climate change. I will put the relevant links in the show notes so that you can find out more about Catherine and also get in touch with her if you want to. Next episode will be the last one before Christmas and before I embark on a slightly more specific angle for this podcast, namely building bridges from the fossil fuel era to the future. But that will be from January. So first, one more episode before we take a break. See you then! Mm -hmm.